Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, poetry friends. I'd like to introduce you, or maybe reacquaint you, with a poem by the British poet John Betjeman. He was born in 1906 and died in 1984. He was born in London. Not only wrote poetry, but wrote a lot of essays and other pieces, and then was a broadcaster for the BBC. He was the poet laureate of England, or the United Kingdom, I guess you could say, uh, from 1972 till his death in 1984. A little aside, um, when... Benjamin was a student at Oxford. He had a tutor there that was fairly young, um, only about eight years older than Benjamin. And he did not get along with Benjamin, nor Benjamin with him. And it turned out that later through their lives, they never were really reconciled after their encounters as tutor and student. Um, The tutor once referred to uh, Benjamin, his student, as an idle prig. (laughs) That tutor was C.S. Lewis. This poem is called In Westminster Abbey. It was written by Benjamin in 1940, just uh, at the beginning of World War II. It's an ironic or satirical poem. I think it's quite funny and quite witty. Um, I'm going to read it here and maybe just a few things to listen for on this first reading. Pay attention to who the speaker is and see if you can kind of divine a few things about the speaker's, well, it's a her, her lifestyle just from details that are in the poem. And you might perhaps pick up on a few of her prejudices as well. Maybe listen for some areas where she contradicts herself. Um, think a little bit perhaps about what the speaker's attitude is towards religion. And maybe also what, through the irony, that Benjamin is employing in the poem. What positive points is he making? So we'll just listen to it now. It's called In Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey, is, of course, is a famous cathedral in London. Let me take this other glove off. As the Vox Humana swells, and the beauteous fields of Eden bask beneath the abbey bells. Here, where England's statesmen lie, listen to a lady's cry. Gracious Lord, O bomb the Germans, spare their women for thy sake. And if that is not too easy, we will pardon thy mistake. But, gracious Lord, whate'er shall be, don't let anyone bomb me. Keep our empire undismembered. Guide our forces by thy hand. 
gallant blacks from far Jamaica, Honduras and Togoland. Protect them, Lord, in all their fights, and even more, protect the whites. Think of what our nation stands for. Books from boots and country lanes, free speech, free passes, class distinction, democracy, and proper drains. Lord, put beneath thy special care 189 Kerrigan Square. Although, dear Lord, I am a sinner, I have done no major crime. Now I'll come to evening service whensoever I have the time. So, Lord, reserve for me a crown and do not let my shares go down. I will labor for thy kingdom, help our lads to win the war, send white feathers to the cowards, join the women's army corps, then wash the steps around thy throne in the eternal safety zone. Now I feel a little better. What a treat to hear thy word where the bones of leading statesmen have so often been interred. And now, dear Lord, I cannot wait because I have a luncheon date. Well, that is a fun one to read. Let's take a little closer look at the stanzas. In the first stanza, it sounds as if she's kind of walking in off the street, maybe in a little bit of a hurry. She's probably been perusing some of the finer shops in London. She knows the service has already begun, and she's kind of asking God to hold off for just a second while she gets this one glove off of her hand. She can hear the vox humana, which is Latin for voice, the human voice. It's a, um, it's an organ stop that was used to produce a kind of a tremolo that was supposed to imitate the sound of the human voice and the organ notes. So it's the vox humana is swelling in there, and she's thinking about the beauteous fields of Eden, uh, basking beneath the abbey's bells. The beauteous fields of Eden is a phrase from a well-known hymn of that era that could have been being played on the organ or sung by a choir at the time. And she's talking to herself about this being the place where England statesmen lie. And of course it is the resting place, either literally where great statesmen and royalty and war heroes and poets, like both Betjeman and C.S. Lewis, by the way, are either literally buried or memorialized. And then she turns to the Lord and says, Listen to a lady's cry. Well, what does she want to communicate to the Lord? First and foremost, bomb those Germans. Spare their women if you can. Uh, but if that can't be done, well, we'll give you a pass on that. But whatever happens, don't let me get bombed. Now, keep our empire from being dismembered. And of course, at this time right around the beginning of the Second World War, there had been a movement amongst m many of the colonies towards independence, and Britain's empire was shrinking. The war slowed that process down for a time where they all had to band together and work towards defeating a common enemy, but the momentum was in the direction of decolonization, which she's not real happy about. 
She's very happy to have um, gallant blacks from Jamaica, Honduras, and Togoland fighting on behalf of the empire, and she'd like to see God protect them, just like she'd like to see him keep the German women from being victimized in the bombing. But if that can't be managed, well, so be it. Again, we'll give you a pass, but make very certain that you protect the whites. Then she gives a little panoramic view of what she considers to be the outstanding features of England. Um, Books from Boots. Well, Boots was a chain store, a pharmacy chain store that was known for selling inexpensive books, kind of like a Walgreens, I guess, in our day and age. Country Lanes, England's famous for them. Free speech, free passes. The average citizen was able to walk in and see beautiful things at the Museum of Natural History, the uh, the natural, the National Art Gallery. Um, class distinction. Now, she's pretty comfortable with class distinction. I don't know that those in the classes below her were quite as comfortable with it. Democracy and, well, proper drains. We're civilized. But above all, Lord, please put in thy special care 189 Cadigan Square. Of course, that is her address, and it is an address in a fairly tony section of London. This woman is well-to-do. And now she's going to address the Lord even more directly, more humbly. Although, dear Lord, I am a sinner, she confesses. She quickly qualifies that with, I have done no major crime. And she promises that she's going to come to evening service when it works out for her, when she has enough time for it. And consequently, by offering these services to God, she asked that he would reserve a crown for her in heaven and of maybe more immediate importance, don't let my shares, in other words, my stocks and bonds and their value, don't let those go down. Well, she'll labor for his kingdom and she'll help to win the war through services with the uh, Women's Army Corps, and also by presenting white feathers to the those she perceives, at least, as cowards. Young men that are seen to be of military age, but then aren't known to have volunteered for service yet. Presenting them with a white feather was a way of shaming them with cowardice publicly. It was done in the First World War as well. In the meantime, she's asking God to... Um, acknowledge this service that she's going to render for him, but make sure that she's allowed to stay in his eternal safety zone. That's kind of the view she sees of heaven. It's a safety zone. So with her concern about not being bombed, not having her shares go down, and to be in the eternal safety zone, she's obviously quite afraid, but she's perfectly willing to give a white feather to a young man frightened of going to combat. Now we end with this great last stanza. What's been the purpose of this whole visit, this little um, moment or two there in worship? 
Now I feel a little better. And then this great line, What a treat to hear thy word. I don't know what she could have possibly heard because she hasn't stopped talking the whole time she's been there. And where is this that she's heard this? Well, where these bones of leading statesmen have so often been interred. This wonderful, truly English monument, Westminster Abbey. And now, dear Lord, I cannot wait because I have a luncheon date. So she has to move on. She's done her business, and she must move on. And she'll leave the rest with the Lord, who she assumes, because she's basically a good woman, an Englishwoman, will hear her prayers and grant her wishes. You know, it's pretty easy to make a big target of her, but I've thought more than once, if you had someone with an, as acute an eye and ear as Benjamin watching over one's own life, every glib word said, every presumptuous request made of God, every uncaring um, comment made about those who are suffering or who are experiencing injustice, injustice of one form or another, I'm not so sure... I would come out much better, perhaps. So, listen to it and enjoy it one more time. John Benjamin in Westminster Abbey. Let me take this other glove off as the Vox Humana swells and the beauteous fields of Eden bask beneath the Abbey bells. Here, where England's statesmen lie, listen to a lady's cry. Gracious Lord, O bomb the Germans, spare their women for thy sake, and if that is not too easy, we will pardon thy mistake. But, gracious Lord, whate'er shall be, don't let any one bomb me. Keep our empire undismembered, guide our forces by thy hand, gallant blacks from far Jamaica, Honduras, and Togoland. Protect them, Lord, in all their fights, and even more, protect the whites. Think of what our nation stands for, books from boots and country lanes, free speech, free passes, class distinction, democracy, and proper drains. Lord, put beneath thy special care 189 Cadigan Square. Although, dear Lord, I am a sinner, I have done no major crime. Now come to evening service whensoever I have the time. So, Lord, reserve for me a crown, and do not let my shares go down. I will labor for thy kingdom, help our lads to win the war. Send white feathers to the cowards, join the women's army corps. Then wash the steps around thy throne in the eternal safety zone. Now I feel a little better. What a treat to hear thy word where the bones of leading statesmen have so often been interred. And now, dear Lord, I cannot wait, because I have a luncheon date. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading, where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. 
so what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to take this poem podcast at gmail.com and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.